and welcome to a Word for This Day podcast. I'm Jory Schaefer, the show's host and creator, and it's such a joy to have you here today. Thank you for downloading this episode, for listening. If you're a, a regular listener, thanks for coming back. If you're a new listener, well, welcome. Um, so glad you're here today. And I just thank you for continuing to share your these episodes and um, I continue to pray for you daily, just as I prayed this morning, that God would give you even more of a hunger and a thirst for His uh, His Word and for time with Him, and that you would just know Him better. Um, I pray for those of you who are longtime believers and new believers and um, even the unbelievers, that um, knowledge of His Word, knowledge of Him would just draw you to Him. Um, we read in Romans that faith comes by hearing and hearing by the word of God. And this salvation that we have is by grace through faith. It's all about the believing. It's all about believing that God is who he says he is, that God's son is who he says he is and what he did, um, what he says he did and what the word says he did really happened. And um, I just pray that you will uh, just come to love his word more and know him more through it. And now on to the most important thing, talking about his word. So our verse for February the 15th, 2022 comes from Paul's second letter to the Corinthians, 2 Corinthians chapter 2, verse 15, and it reads as follows from the ESV. For we are the aroma of Christ to God among those who are being saved and among those who are perishing. Oh my, as usual, lots of good stuff here. Um, And so I look forward to jumping in. This is the second time since we started the podcast on January the 1st of this year that we've had a um, focus verse from Paul's second letter to the Corinthians. The first one was last month on January the 20th. And so if you haven't heard that, I would invite you to go back and listen. That is one of my one of my favorites, although I love all the words and all the verses, but it talks about um All of the promises of God find their yes in Christ, and I just love that. Uh, So I would invite you to listen again or go back and listen if you haven't done that before now. Um, But as usual, we we like to go and uh, determine who wrote the letter. We like to get context and perhaps see why the letter was written, know a little bit more about the audience. That is so important as we study, um, not just to jump in on on just the verse, but think about um, the whole picture. We zoom out, and then we zoom back in. Um, So we know that this letter was written by the Apostle Paul. Uh, Paul was an apostle, which means that he was directly appointed by the Lord to carry out the mission of sharing his word. But he was not one of the original 12 apostles who uh, were called by the Lord. They were the disciples and then uh, called his apostles. Um, Paul came on the scene after Jesus had already been crucified and resurrected and the crucified Lord the resurrected Lord met Paul on the Damascus Road, 
and um, Paul had an encounter with him. Paul had been a very zealous Jew who uh, was against those who believed in Christ, um, but God had set him apart beforehand and um, used him mightily to spread the gospel to the Gentiles. And the Gentiles, um, there were Gentiles in the Corinthian church. Um, Those were the non-Jews, the non-believers. There were also some Jews there, but um, it was mostly a Gentile city to begin with. We know that Paul spent at least um, 18 months in Corinth, Uh, teaching and spending time with the church there. And so he had a very close relationship with them. We know that Paul wrote this letter to the Corinthians because in 2 Corinthians chapter 1, verse 1, it says, Paul, an apostle of Christ Jesus, by the will of God, and Timothy, our brother, to the church of God that is at Corinth, with all the saints who are in the hall of Achaia, Grace to you and peace from God our Father and the Lord Jesus Christ. We read about Paul in Corinth um, in Acts. Acts is a book of church history um, of the New Testament, and we read about that in Acts chapter 18. Um, And it says, after this, beginning in verse 1, after this, Paul left Athens and went to Corinth, and he found a Jew named Aquila, a native of Pontius, recently come from Italy with his wife Priscilla, because Claudius had commanded all the Jews to leave Rome. And he, Paul, went to see them, and because he was of the same trade, he stayed with them and worked, for they were tent makers by trade. And he reasoned in the synagogue every Sabbath and tried to persuade the Jews and the Greeks. And we continue in verse 5, When Silas and Timothy arrived from Macedonia, Paul was occupied with the word, testifying to the Jews that the Christ was Jesus. And when they opposed and reviled him, he shook out his garments and said to them, Your blood be on your own heads. I am innocent. From now on, I will go to the Gentiles. And he left there and went to the house of a man named Titus Justus, or Titus Justus, a worshiper of God. His house was next door to the synagogue. Crispus, the ruler of the synagogue, believed in the Lord together with his entire household, and many of the Corinthians, hearing Paul, believed and were baptized. And the Lord said to Paul one night in a vision, Do not be afraid, but go on speaking, and do not be silent, for I am with you, and no one will attack you to harm you, for I have many in this city, that city of Corinth, who are my people. And he, Paul, stayed a year and six months teaching the word of God among them. So that talks about Paul's time in Corinth. He stayed there and he'd been teaching them, and then he went away, but he had heard that they had... um, uh, fallen back to some of their old ways and had been uh, led astray by false doctrine. He sent him a, a what's known as the severe letter that we don't have a copy of. Um, and then later, false teachers arose who were trying to uh, really um, talk bad about Paul. And in part of this uh, letter of 2 Corinthians, which is a very personal letter, he's defending himself and his position. And so that's where we pick up on our verse today. So back to our verse for the day. Um, And I'm going to do the verse before it and um, some verses after to um, give a better context, because as we talked about, context is so important. Um, And so 2 Corinthians chapter 2, beginning in verse 14 
But thanks be to God who in Christ always leads us in triumphal procession and through us spreads the fragrant fragrance of the knowledge of him everywhere. For we are the aroma of Christ to God among those who are being saved and among those who are perishing. To one a fragrance from death to death, to the other to the other a fragrance from life to life. For who is sufficient for these things? <clears throat> and so this is a very interesting um, but just so, such a neat word picture that Paul uses here. Um, and I've pondered this and pondered this and pondered this and studied on it and thought about it and meditated it on it. And um, I think uh, God has opened my eyes to a couple of things that I just want to share with you. Um, to begin with, when Paul is talking about in verse 14, it says, Thanks be to God who in Christ always leads us in triumphal procession and through us spreads the fragrance of the knowledge of him everywhere. That's the verse before uh, our verse for the day. But um, I was reading about what it is to have to be a triumphal pr- procession, and apparently that was a very Roman thing. Now, I don't have any scripture to back that up. That's um, historically um, what happened, and I read about some of the historical uh, uh, triumphal processions. Um, you know, we read about Jesus's triumphant uh, procession on Palm Sunday into uh, Jerusalem um, before he was crucified, um, but um, his triumphal procession was totally different as one would expect. It was very humble. Um, totally different than what the Romans would do. And as these um, big military leaders and commanders would come in after a battle or a conquest, apparently it was a really big deal. It was this more than a parade. It was this humongous um, big event. And with part of that, from what I've read, is that they had incense and very fragrant smells of flowers on the chariots and all around. And so there was a very intense uh, smell that went along with all the sights and sounds. And everyone would see it who was in the city. And so Paul is taking part of that because, you know, he's um, he's a Roman citizen as well uh, from Tarsus. Um But um, Paul is saying, but thanks be to God who in Christ always leads us in triumphal procession. So um, and through us spreads the fragrance of the knowledge of him everywhere. So it's not the fragrance of flowers, but it's the fragrance of um, Christ, the some of the essence of Christ. And we get to our verse for the day, and it says, For we are the aroma of Christ to God among those who are being saved and among those who are perishing. So um, wherever we are, we exude or share or give off that aroma of Christ. And um, we are the aroma of Christ among those who are being saved and among those who are being perishing, or among those who are perishing. So there's two groups in the world. You're either saved, you're a believer, or you're lost and destined for a life separated from God, and that's the eternal death, that perishing, that eternal death. And um, to some, 
if we are walking in Christ, we will um, encourage and love and walk in the Spirit and show that love, joy, peace, patience, gentleness, kindness, goodness, uh, faithfulness, self-control, and we will share God's love. Uh, but to those who are perishing, to our, who are hostile to the gospel, and there again, it's two groups. You're either for Jesus said you're either for me or you're against me. Um, to those who are against Christ, it's almost it's like a stench. Um, that that's what is a sweet smell to us um, is offensive and a stench to others. And I'm going to say something that um, I really want you to ponder about because we we've, we've talked about this in our ladies Bible study and and then I've talked about it with other de- dear friends and. Um, and I do believe it's very biblical, the um, the gospel, the story of Jesus, that he would come to save sinners is offensive. And I want to explain what I mean by that. Um, to those who uh, who are in the midst of their sin, and, and we've all been there, um, we don't want to hear that we're a sinner. Um, the human, the flesh part of us does not want to acknowledge because of our fri- our pride and our fleshly part. We do not want to acknowledge that we have sin. Um, and so when uh, the story of Christ comes and says that he came to save us, but we have to acknowledge that we are sinners. We have to confess that we are sinners. We have to humble ourselves. We have to realize that we are but dust. We are not the wisest. We are not in charge of our lives. We do not have ultimate control. That is offensive to some and it's offensive to many in the world, and we see that today. I mean, um, just in the way that just even the name of Christ is offensive in our country and in other countries. Um, the na- You know, when you say that there's um, one way, that Jesus is the one and only way to the Father, that's offensive to people. Um, and even Jesus said, in Luke twelve fifty one, he says, Do you think that I've come to give peace on earth? No, I tell you, but rather division. And then um, in Luke chapter 2, when Simeon saw the baby Jesus, he said um, to Mary and Joseph, he's in um, Luke chapter 2, verse 34, he said, And Simeon blessed them and said to Mary his mother, Behold, this child is appointed for the fall and rising of many in Israel, and for a sign that is opposed, and a sword will pierce your, through your own soul also, so that the thoughts from many hearts may be revealed. So it really gets down to the depths of our heart. Um, as we talked about over and over again, um, it's a heart issue. We see in First Peter chapter 2, beginning in um, verse, let's see, Verse six, Peter says, and uh, he says, for it stands in scripture, behold, I'm laying in Zion a stone, a cornerstone chosen and precious, and whoever believes in him will not be put to shame. So the honor is for you who believe, but for those who do not believe, the stone that the builders rejected has become the cornerstone and a stone of stumbling and a rock of offense. They stumble because they disobey the word as they were destined to do. Um, and so there are those who are going to believe and, um, 
in with those people who are being saved because of their belief. Um, this aroma of Christ is sweet and it's a blessing. But for those who are not believers, it's offensive and it's it's a smell that is um, is not pleasing. And we um, we read on in Second Corinthians. Well, let me just uh, back up and read that 15 again, um, 2 Corinthians 2.15. It says, For we are the Roma of Christ to God among those who are being saved and among those who are perishing, to one a fragrance from death to death, to the other a fragrance from life to life, who is sufficient for these things. And so uh, what does it mean that we're a fragrance from death to death and to a, to the other a fragrance from life to life? Well, to those who are perishing, who are staying in their sin, who refuse to acknowledge the truth, refuse to be obedient to the word, uh, the fragrance of Christ is, um, as we talked about, offensive, and um, it's that from death to death, they don't want to have anything to to do with it. They stay in their sin, and if they don't turn to the Lord and they don't repent, they'll stay in uh, being uh, dead in their trespasses, as Ephesians says. But for those who um, are being saved, who who have believed in the Lord and accepted that wonderful gift of grace and salvation through faith. Um, this is, this aroma is, uh, or this fragrance is life to life. So, uh, for life everlasting and it's just such a blessing. And, and so I was reading about what does it mean? Why would, uh, Paul have used this word picture of fragrances and aromas and that sort of thing? And I think it goes back to, um, possibly some of the offerings that had been offered um, before. You know, um, when we look um, all the way back to Genesis in the in uh, Noah's time, and when Noah, um, who was a man of God who had uh, followed God, God told him to build an ark, and he built the ark, and it was uh, Noah and his wife and his three sons and their uh, three wives were the only people that survived when God sent the great flood to destroy the earth. And when we read over in um, Genesis chapter 8, um, I think it's in verse verse 20 is where it starts in chapter 8 of Genesis. It said, Then Noah built an altar to the Lord and took some of every clean animal and some of every clean bird and offered burnt offerings on the altar. And when the Lord smelled the pleasing aroma, the Lord said in his heart, I will never again curse the ground because of man, for the intention of man's heart is evil from his youth. Neither will I ever again strike down every living creature as I have done. While the earth remains, seed time and harvest, cold and heat, summer and winter, day and night shall not cease. And so God had made a promise and a covenant with Noah. And later we read about that where um, he put the bow, the rainbow in the clouds as a covenant between him and Noah that uh, never again would he destroy all the living, all the earth by flood. When it comes back the next time, it's going to be by fire. But he promised that he would never 
never uh, destroy all the earth again by flood. And but it was through Noah's offering that pleasing aroma uh, that stirred God's heart. And then um, the other interesting thing is that when we read um, about some of the sacrifices in the in Leviticus, and whoever thought we would have a talk about Leviticus, but it's important, as I mentioned, all of God's words, all of the verses are important. But in Leviticus, which was um, where God had given uh, Moses clear direction about laws and rules and regulations for worship and that sort of thing. And it talks about um, some of the free will offerings. There were grain offerings and uh, drink offerings and that sort of thing. Um, But in Leviticus chapter 2, it says, um, beginning in verse 1, When anyone brings a grain offering as an offering to the Lord, his offering shall be a fine flour. He shall shall pour oil on it and put frankincense on it and bring it to Aaron's sons and the priest. And he shall take from it a handful of fine flour and oil with all of its frankincense. And the priest shall burn this as as its memorial portion on the altar, a food offering with a pleasing aroma to the Lord. And there's several about those offerings in Leviticus that they talk about it being an a pleasing aroma to the Lord. Well, do you see that in our verse for the day? It says, for we are the aroma of Christ to God. So uh, we are in Christ and that offering that is we are in him and it's going up to God um, as we walk out and as we live godly lives. Um, and so that is our offering. And that brought to mind um Let's see, uh, Romans chapter 12, beginning in verse 1, where it says, I appeal to you, therefore, brothers, by the mercies of God, to present your bodies as a living sacrifice, holy and acceptable to God, which is your spiritual worship. Do not be conformed to the world, but be transformed by the renewal of your mind, that by testing you may discern what is the will of God and what is good and acceptable and perfect. And so that living sacrifice, that offering to God in the way that we live our lives. And the way that we know to do that is more by the renewing of our minds, which involves being in his word, reading his word, studying his word, as we've talked about before. And then we also see in Ephesians, our ultimate example, and I love this because it's going to tie in how we are an aroma and a fragrance to others, but our ultimate example uh, of Uh, given by Christ. And it's Ephesians chapter 5, verses 1 and 2. It says, Therefore, be imitators of God as beloved children, and walk in love as Christ loved us and gave himself up for us, a fragrant offering and sacrifice to God. So Christ was our example. He was... um, He made the sacrifice, but it was a fragrant offering, a fragrant, pleasing aroma to God. And likewise, our life should be that way. So how can we be this fragrant offering in the world? How can we be this aroma, this um, fragrant aroma? Well, we need to walk as Christ did. And there are going to be those who, who it's a stench to, but then there are going to be those who it's pleasing to. And we don't have to worry about how they take it. That's not what we're called to do, but we're called to walk. Um, as he walked, we're called to imitate him. Um, we're called to be obedient and, um, 
that's that's our job to do. And in doing that, um, we will spread that uh, that fragrant aroma, that knowledge of Him, as we read in Second Corinthians chapter two, verse fourteen, uh, who it says. Um, but thanks be to God who in Christ always leads us in triumphal procession and through us spreads the fragrance of the knowledge of him everywhere. And we do that by being in his word, by reading his word, studying his word, living his word and sharing his word. And that's how if we love and we follow his word and we do what he's asked us to do, that's how we are going to be the aroma of Christ to God among those who are being saved and among those who are perishing. But, you know, it's the work he does in us that allows us to be that that aroma. It's not anything we do on our own other than being obedient to him, uh, being in a close relationship with him, being right with him, and then he takes care of all the rest. And friends, I want to leave you with this as we close today from 1 Thessalonians chapter 5, verse 23. Now may the God of peace himself sanctify you completely, and may your whole spirit and soul and body be kept blameless at the coming of our Lord Jesus Christ. He who calls you is faithful. He will surely do it. Blessings to you, friend. Until next time.